Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Well, hello and welcome to Back to Basics. I'm glad you're here because my guest today is a special one. At one point in his life, Stephen Rudolph embarked on a 21-year journey to India. Yeah, you heard that right, 21 years, where he uncovered profound wisdom about human nature from 5,000-year-old Sanskrit texts. He then took those principles and crafted them into an easy-to-use, enjoyable program called Feed Your Tigers. He also founded and acts as the CEO of Multiple Nature, a company that has developed specific tools to help people explore how to become more aligned. Hello, Stephen. Welcome to Back to Basics. Hey, Leticia. Nice to, to see you and to be here. Thanks. Well, I'm very excited to have you here. It's not every day that you get to interview somebody that really, you know, goes to India, is there for 21 years. I understand you currently live in Cambodia. That's right. I'm in Cambodia now. So so that makes you my first guest from that's living <laughs> there, which makes me excited. Okay. <laughs> so so why don't we start, you know, with your origin story, Stephen, mm-hmm. if you if yeah. you would, and, and you know, the things I love to explore, what my guests were passionate about in their younger years, right. what they thought they would become and oh, then what yeah. they became. I'm always fascinated by that. Sure. So I, when I was younger, I wanted to be a rock star. That was my dream, right? You know, because I played okay. guitar and um, I, I just loved playing music and performing and entertaining. And I thought that that's what I was going to do. And then after I graduated from college, I found out that aspiring rock stars don't make any money. And so I, I had to pay the bills and you need to have a job that pays you money. So I was walking down the street one day and I looked up, I was in New York and I looked up and I saw a sign in the second floor window that said wanted English teachers, this big sign that went across like four or five mm. windows. And there was a, a telephone mm. number there. That was the days before LinkedIn and monster.com, right? And so <laughs> yeah. I took down the number, I gave them a call, I got the job. And then I, I went there, I was 22, right? And so I went mm-hmm. there. Uh, for to teach my first class. And suddenly, like five minutes before I'm supposed to teach, I realized like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Like, yeah, I don't know how to teach. Like nobody ever taught me. I, I just was overconfident. I thought, yeah, yeah, I could do it. No big deal. I know English, right? <laughs> and so I went to the director and I, I said to her, you know, I'm, I'm terrified. Like I have to go in there in a couple of minutes and like, what do I do? And, and I'll never forget my entire teacher training consisted of this woman putting the book in my hand and she put her hand on my back and she came up close to me. She, she whispered in my ear. She said, just remember, you know more than they do. And, <laughs> and she sort of like launched me into the class. That was my entire teacher training. And wow. I went in there and I saw, like, you know, I don't know, maybe 12, 15 pairs of eyes looking up at me like, okay, here's the teacher, you know, so they don't know like what's going on inside my head. I'm like standing there just like absolutely fearful. And shuffling my papers and trying to look teacherly. And I started Mm -hmm. to speak and I opened up the book and I read something and I called on somebody and it it just started to come really naturally. That was the the weird thing. It was like the strange familiarity that I had being in that position. I was never, I never taught before like that. And bit by bit, you know, someone was saying something, somebody laughed and somebody wrote something on the board and, 
And maybe like about 30 minutes into this process, it was like the voice from the sky just bellowed, Steve, mm-hmm. you're not a rock star. You're a teacher, <laughs> you know. And that hit me like like a like a thunderbolt, a lightning bolt. And I I, I remember that. Like I I was I just I was having this moment and I was like, oh my goodness, like wow. That is incredible. No, nobody ever told me this. Like how to and so I, I composed myself, you know, they didn't realize what was going on, but I was, I was just having this really big moment. It was the biggest realization of my life. And okay, I finished teaching the class and, and all the students left. And then I remember saying to myself as the last student left the class, like, oh my God, I could do this for the, for the rest of my life. So I was 22, I'm 55 now. So and I'm still an educator and I still wow. get the same thrill, the same kick out of teaching. And so that's, you know, that's the that that was the the moment and it was at that time that i started to think like you know why did i get lucky like this you know it's like not everybody gets to find their their calling like that well you know i looked up to the right and i saw a sign that said wanted english teachers sometimes i imagine like if i had looked up to the left and it said wanted like travel agents <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, maybe I would, have I, wound, love... I would have wound up in Cambodia as a travel agent or something. Yeah, probably. I, you know, there's some movies. I recently saw a movie was exactly about that. Two different paths, and then they bring him back the person to exactly the same place, but in a very different way. And I do believe that maybe it's something like that. We might take different paths, yeah. but it's supposed to take you to, to the same place. But yeah. what I love about that is I've had many guests. Of course, you wouldn't be surprised to learn that you are not the first one to say, I wanted to be a rock star or right. a musician. I mean, this is sure. something that as a younger version of ourselves, a lot yeah. of people had that idea. But you were on your way. You were studying that. So what yeah. I love about your particular story, it's, you know, usually it's like, I wanted to do that. I didn't do it. I went to be an accountant and then I became back to music. In right. your case, you went straight to music mm. and then and then by following the signs or your inner voice or I mean you are the the wise person here, it, something connected like you were connected to the source that guided yeah, you that, that really... to your calling and that's very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's very powerful. And so you were 22 and then you started teaching and you love it, but at some point you decide that you want to go to India, I guess. Well, it that didn't was... happen in that step. There was one more step. My my next step was I thought to myself, like, why is it like this that I got, I, you know how, like, so I found, I fell in love with teaching. Okay. You can look at it that way. And you know, when you, when you fall in love, like if you remember back to one of those times when you like, you, you know, you, you've fallen in love and like, you're just walking around floating on a cloud and you're looking at everybody <laughs> and you're just like, everybody should be in love. And like, you're looking at that sad person and this sad person, you're like, oh my God. And so I was looking at the world in a similar way, but in terms of work, like I was looking at people and I could see like, this person doesn't love what they do. And that person doesn't love, I wish everybody could love what they do. Like I love what I do. And then I started thinking to myself, like, why is it? Why, why did I get lucky? And why is it that the education system doesn't help people to figure out who they are? Why did it, why was it luck in my case? You know, and so many people are studying 20, 25 years in formal education, and they they never really find out who they are. And they wind up becoming, I saw saw a a statistic that said something like Gallup did this poll, how many people feel connected to the work that they do. And it was only like 11% of the population really feel somehow connected to their work and they love what they do and they find meaning in it. Mm -hmm. That's 
that's that's disturbing. <laughs> that's like, you know, 89% of the population isn't really like totally connected or love, loving what they do. And so I thought to myself, like, I should make a school. And in my school, like the, the curriculum is not going to be about everybody taking exams to, or, you know, SATs and, you know, trying to get, everybody would know who they were. That would be the goal. And so I had this idea to open up a school. And it was at that time, a friend of mine was like, yo, don't open up your school in New York, come to India. I have some friends here and we can open up the school in India. And so that's how I got invited to India. To, and, and that's wow. when we, I fell down the rabbit hole for 21 years. <laughs> wow. But that that is already like a powerful thought, which I love, by the way. I, I do agree with you that the way we're teaching our kids, I, I was uh, lucky enough to have Seth Godin on, on the show as mm -hmm. episode 100. And he talks a He's lot incredible. about the school system and how he believes. Like I told him, uh, Seth, what should I have my 11 year old do? And he say, uh, have him edit Wikipedia. Like he gave me like the best mm -hmm. advice and the audience mm -hmm. and things you can do for kids because mm -hmm. he's convinced like you that we are not, we, it's almost like we want to disconnect these kids even more. Mm -hmm. Like when I see how these advanced programs, like I'm going through it now, my kid mm -hmm. is in middle school and you see these 11 years old, some get put in one class, some get put in another class, depending how smart they are. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're labeling them already from the get go at 11, mm -hmm. how they're not, go how they're going to feel fulfilled. If at 11, they're already learning, oh, I'm not good enough. Right. You know, and it's all based on algebra and tests and, and yeah. very, very strange metrics in, in, in my view. But in any case, so you, you, you follow this lead, you end up going to India. Yes, I went to India. And um, I, I went there three times over the next three years. And um, before I moved there, I was in Japan for three years. I continued to teach and I saved mm -hmm. some money because a friend of mine said, hey, you know, you're going to need some money. You're not going to make a lot of money in India. Better like you get a nest egg. So Japan, the economy was really quite strong still in the early 90s. And so I could make more money mm -hmm. in Japan teaching than I could in New York. So I moved to Japan, saved mm -hmm. up all my money. And I got a degree in, um, in uh, education. Temple University has a, a campus there in Tokyo. So I did my master's. I got some credentials. Mm -hmm. I saved some money. And then 94, I moved to India. And we didn't have enough money to have a, a school building and that kind of stuff. So we started the school in our house. That was the the place mm. we, so we were like eight kids and three teachers on the first day. It was like, it was um, kindergarten, first, second, and third. And there were eight kids in those couple of classes. And PS, like, you know, if you fast forward, there are now 2000 children in that school. Oh my from God. From nursery through 12. Wow. So it really grew to, and it, it filled to, to its capacity. And true to the original vision, the students find out who they are. That's what the center of the curriculum is. So there's a very focused attention given to helping the children understand what their natures are and then what would be the right career path. So by the time they graduate, they already have an idea of where they're going. It's not that they're just getting out and they're, they're totally confused about where they are in life. So many, that happens to so many people. They finish college and then it's like, oh, wait, now what do I do? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's part of why I created this podcast. It was because of that, that I, of so many conversations of people that say, you know, that get defined by the job and what they do mm. and know who they are. Right. And, and, and that's terrible because sometimes people invest decades, 20 years in the same company and they right. get laid off. And I've seen it many times where that their whole identity was that company or yeah. that job. 
Right. And then they don't know they don't know how to pick up the pieces from there and they, they kind of get lost. So that's yep. why, you know, in the program and, and, and I wanna fast forward because you mm-hmm. have such rich journey that I could mm-hmm. I could speak about every <laughs> single thing that you've done for hours. Mm-hmm. But then you devoted, you founded a company, you created a program yeah. that helps people now not only children, but like people Adults, that actually, anybody yeah. can go that's to correct. you exactly. We you have a fantastic webpage that I will for of course well, your company does. And anybody can go there and take a test, yeah, right? It's a test. Yeah. It t- t- tell me a little bit about the test and what the goal is there and how you sure. help an adult. Uh, sure. So in, in the process of understanding the children in my school and trying to figure out how to guide them toward careers, I needed tools to do that. I needed a framework, like a psychological framework that I could use to identify what the important traits are in understanding their natural abilities and then to make some sort of tools to assess them and then match them with careers. And so I created my own framework that uses Howard Gardner's uh, multiple intelligences, Gardner, a professor of cognitive psychology at Harvard in 1983, came up with the concept of multiple intelligences. So Gardner said, IQ is not the only game in town. There's many ways to be smart. You could be smart with your body, you could be smart with music, you could be smart with language, you could be smart with, nature, you can be smart with um, visual things, you know, drawing and color, etc. So that's one set of traits that I look at are the intelligences that he's put out. And then I created another framework because that wasn't enough. And this is where I mm-hmm. use the Eastern wisdom to help me develop that. That looks at something which I call natures and natures are your tendencies. They're social tendencies that we have to provide value to society, to the community. So for example, there's something which is called uh, an administrative nature. So this is a tendency to get work done and to meet deadlines and accomplish things and so on and so forth. So managers, you see, ha- are, have a typically have very big uh, administrative natures. I call them tigers sometimes because these like natures, they love to eat. I think they love to eat, like in this case, administration. There's an educative nature. So that's a tendency to teach, to explain. And you probably see that a little bit in me as I'm talking and explaining things, I'm very excited and I'm turned on and I feel like electric while I'm discussing and sharing these things with you because I'm, I'm educating and I'm sharing. So that's an educative nature. And then there are others, a creative, healing, helping people out of imbalance, entertaining, um, that's for helping uh, to, to catch attention, to amuse people. There's a providing nature, tendency to help people um, understand their needs and to assist and to support them, entrepreneurial, adventurous. So those are natures that I've identified. And what the test does that I created is called the MN test, the multiple natures test, is it looks at all of these qualities and it will see that which ones are bigger and which ones are smaller, right? Which tigers are bigger and which tigers are smaller. So for instance, like if you're protective, there's one which is called a protective nature. That's that's this quality that wants to prevent harm, loss, injury, wrongdoing, injustice. So some people are like crusaders. They really want to be <laughs> sure that people are safe and the world is, is um, fair and just. So if you have a, a naturally you know, innate tendency to protect, and then your body, coming back to Gardner's model, like your bodily intelligence, so you're really athletic. Your body's very capable and strong and balanced. So protect with my body, protect with my body. Well, those people might be inclined toward becoming a police officer or going to the military or being a bodyguard or a security officer. So it's this protective feeling plus the body. And that's what my system will do. It will, it's, we've got thousands of careers in the database and it will say, look, if these are what your big tigers are, then these will be the careers that you'd be inclined toward. 
Or for example, if your protective was was like really powerful, you wanted to protect, and maybe you're not that physical, but your language is is unbelievable. You're excellent with expressing yourself with words. So protecting through language, well, that could be a lawyer, could be a social activist, right? So you can see makes, how they makes sense. And then you can keep switching the healing plus the bodily. So to heal with the body, heal with the body, that would be like chiropractor, physiotherapist, massage therapist, healing with linguistic, healing with language. Well, there's your therapist and your psychologist and so on. So basically what I did was I took all these qualities and I I mapped them out with careers. And so when you figure out through the system what your big tigers are, the algorithm will say these would be the most likely types of jobs that would best align with who you are. And so we use this with students age 13 and up to get into the right majors and then to choose the right career paths. We use it with people who, when they graduate, want to figure out or career transition or once they're in jobs and they need to figure out how they're going to map their career path or even people who are seniors, like, you know, people who have have finished their, their, you know, working life, so to speak, but they still need something to do. Their tigers also need to be fed. It's not that once you retire, then like you're, you're done. So that's, that's that's how it works. That's very powerful, very yeah. very powerful, and and it's funny because I I think as you say it could go anytime. Like if like let's say if would that test for a kid? I was choosing my as again to put the example of my eleven year old. He was choosing his first electives yesterday mm-hmm. ever, and so it was funny to see this list. And I'm thinking he's gonna choose this and see him choosing something completely different. And I was paying attention because I say that's that's his God instinct talking right now in this list, mm-hmm. in, in in what is attracting him to something. And I imagine that the test and the way it's designed, it kind of is similar to like you read the question, but you gravitate towards one thing or the other. That's the nature. That's the undeniable essence. And so when do you think that shows up? How early is that? shows up very early age does that nature change like how do we follow up or try to identify that nature so it shows up really early you can see just kind of it's the same thing with plants if you've ever done you know planting gardening etc when you put a seed in the ground and or in soil and it comes out you can already start to see at the very beginning there's certain leaves and shapes of leaves and when it's a sapling you can also tell something about it that it's this type of uh, plant or tree and it's not like that one so qualities start to emerge even in in you know a child is like one two years old i have a daughter who's two and I can tell you that very clearly, she's very physical, right? She she's quite balanced and she's she's strong. She can if if I'm like doing a horsey and she sits on me. Last week she stood up on my back, and for a two year old, I was real. I, I didn't expect yeah. that she would be able to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And I see other kids at the same age can't do something like that. And I see there are other children who are far more linguistic. They pick up on language faster than than she has. So you can see even down to and. Also entertaining. There are some kids who are very shy. They, they're not very interpersonal. And there are others who just want to step up and be the center of attention. Do you know what I figured out with her, Leticia? Yeah. I figured out that she, there's there's one nature that I mentioned, which, which is called an entertaining nature. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a tendency to amuse others. She actually understands comedic timing. She knows she's a little more than two now. She's about two two years and uh, four months. She knows when to say something to get a laugh out at the right time. And I noticed, wow. I noticed this um, when she was saying something because she would 
she would now, now I've had a background. My entertaining is a little bit on the higher side. I've had a background in acting. Um, and, and, you know, I wouldn't say I'm off the charts, but I, I get the basics of um, being dramatic and, and drama and whatnot. And I, I saw this, this quality in her. So even down at that age, you can spot it. And the interesting thing, what, what science will tell, science tells us is that from ages, you know, zero to seven, while the, the brain is developing, this is the stage that the brain is the most active in terms of developing myelin. So myelin, if you know about how the neurons work, is an insulating material that, that surrounds the neurons, right, so on the axons. And what it does is it permits the, elect, the electrical signals to pass more quickly through the neurons. So for instance, if a child has exposure to music at a very young age, and they're encouraged to do it, and their parents love them and hug them when they do it, and they celebrate when they've learned how to play a song, et cetera. So the child learns that, hey, if I do this, I get love and kisses and I get praise and I feel good about myself and maybe I get a treat or something. So they learn to do that and then the brain myelinates. So any of these qualities that I'm talking about, whether it's your providing, helping, whether it's your healing, maybe in someone's house there was an, a grandparent was not well and they had to take care of that grandparent and they got a lot of praise and attention and love and care and they became good at that. So these qualities will develop in these earliest stages up to age seven. Myelination turns off considerably and then turns back on again in adolescence. And then again, mm -hmm. it stops. So it's not to say that the brain is not plastic. It continues to grow, but it's more like after that, instead of the trunk and branches growing, it's more like the smaller branches and leaves adding on. So the basis mm -hmm. of your nature is largely formed in the first seven years and somewhat through adolescence. Does it change? Mm -hmm. Not much doesn't mean that you can't continue to learn, but the foundation, it's like a super highway and you can build on top of those things. But if you have to, if you never really developed a very powerful, let's say administrative nature, let's just say that nobody ever really forced you to or encouraged you to have to administrate mm -hmm. and you kind of went on your own, then when you're in your like twenties and stuff and you have to learn, if you tried to become a manager at that point, it would be like, you can't build a super highway now. It's more like you're in the jungle and you have a machete and you have to learn how to do that. You're chopping through the jungle. You'll make a path, but it's not going to be a super yeah. highway for you. Mm, I love the super highway reference. I, I, it becomes very clear. And, and as a parent, and as you say, thanks for those examples, because you realize a big responsibility that, you know, to to help your kids because they do, you see the nature, but there's other things that get on the way and they can really hamper that nature. Yeah. Like, you know, that somebody makes fun of you and mm -hmm. while you're speaking publicly and you're very good at it, but mm -hmm. then somebody made fun and then you in your mind think you're not good. Mm -hmm. And now that, that, that quality that is really good in you yes. in reality, now it's already becoming like a limiting belief. Yes, for instance, yes. Like saying, I'm not good at this. Yes. And I see it in a lot of kids and say, you're very good at that. Mm -hmm. And the kids, no, I'm shy. I'm like, you're not shy. My daughter says, I'm shy. She's not shy. She loves to perform. She just, the on and off switch is not that immediate with her as it is with others. Mm -hmm. So that that's fascinating. So I, I, as I a lot of my audience is probably, you know, like probably we are uh, already in our journey and, and we mm. made decisions and, and it's like we are realizing that mm, I'm not that fulfilled. I'm not living my best yes. life. What can I do? I, I, I'm 
definitely interested in hearing your approach. Like if you're talking to somebody that says, I don't know if this career path is for me. I don't know if I'm doing something that, you know, it's aligning with my deeper why. Right. Like, what can I do to kind of get unstuck right. from where I am? Yeah. So, so the first thing that I say is get in touch with your tigers. You need to mm -hmm. find out which are those underlying qualities that are the most prevalent in you. Because they were there already, you know, by the time you're in your adolescence, they were already there. But then what happens, as you were rightly saying, is that friends, social circles, right, uh, parents, society tells us, and then we fill our minds also with like wrong ideas. And then we get disconnected from ourselves. And much of, of life and, and the journey of life uh, is, is getting rid of the misconceptions about who we are and getting in touch with those qualities of who we actually are. So once we do that and we understand, okay, like this is where I'm naturally competent and naturally capable. It can happen at any time. You could discover it in your teens or in your 20s or in your 30s and your 40s and your 50s. You, know, you can discover it at any time. So it, it doesn't really matter. The important thing is that you, is that you discover it. And then once yeah. you discover it, then you need to figure out, based on my circumstance, my unique circumstance, what are the steps that I can take to feed my tigers more? That's the way I like to look at it. That's oh, great. I love so it. So in some cases, you might be like in a particular type of work. Like, let's say, for example, you're, you're doing computer programming, right? And you're in a company and then you become a manager and you get it more into like the middle management of things and so on and so forth. But you find out later that you're really not a people person and you're not very administrative naturally. And you're suffering as a result of that. But you come back and you say, you know what? My protective, that, that protective tiger, and my logical are really strong. And when I was doing more of the coding thing, that's where I really felt alive and I was, and was excellent at that. So in a case like that, you might, you might want to step back more into a position where it's aligned with those particular qualities. And that might not require you to quit your job or to leave a company. It might, you might, have a discussion with your boss or with the, you know, the HR that I want to reduce or remove some of the managerial things so I can get back to where I was. Or it could be moving from sales. You might not be that entrepreneurial and being able to convince people to buy, but your providing nature, helping and serving, and your educative nature, teaching and explaining are really big tigers. You would be better in customer support. So you could just maybe go across the cubicle, you know, to, to a different place where you would shine and you would really be fabulous and, and it would work out for you. So the thing I say is like, be careful about making very sudden moves. And especially with these kind of passions or what might be romantic dreams, because just because people have a dream to become something, it doesn't necessarily mean that's actually the right version of yourself. And that's why I say, be careful because you might say, you know what? I, I just should just blow this all off and start my own company. And I see this a lot. But if you don't have a really powerful entrepreneurial tiger, naturally, you know, I'm talking like since the time you were a kid, like you were selling stuff and you were always like wheeling and dealing and making companies and businesses from, from early on. Even Seth Godin, he talked about that. He, he expresses that he was not much, his entrepreneurial capacity was capped at a certain point and he couldn't run businesses and scale them. He said that he was much better as an independent, a consultant and more like a freelancer than he was mm -hmm. a, a corporate, you know, like a CEO type that would, that would grow, grow and evolve and evolve companies. So even someone like, like Seth 
had a realization about where his capacity was in business. So what I say is be careful about not setting yourself up for false hopes and dreams because there's a, there are a lot of people who will exploit that, you know? You just have to want it badly enough. You know, take my coaching program and after like, you know, so many months, I'm gonna, you know, you're gonna want it and you're gonna do it and you just have to, you know, single parent, two kids, just trying to make ends meet and doing work that's not according to who they are. It's a mm. recipe for stress, disaster, anxiety, it shouldn't be, and it shouldn't be like that. So, so that's why I say like, know the natures and then try to find the solution that's really the best. So you can, in some cases, move toward it gradually if you need to. If you do have somebody who's su supporting the family financially and you've got that freedom, then yeah, maybe you can do it. But, but be careful is what I want to say. I think that's a uh, fantastic advice. And, and, and just, just for me, it's clear. I love how you call calling your um, feeding your tigers. Mm. Three years ago, I, I realized that my telecom, in I was not enjoying telecom industry, but I was not going to quit because, you know, other reasons. But I needed my, I needed to feed the tiger of inspiration. I mm -hmm. like inspiring people. I like that. And that's how this podcast was born. Mm -hmm. And since I've done the podcast, I feel happier. Mm -hmm. I feel I don't make money out of it. I've said this many times in this yes. show, but I get to meet people like you. Mm -hmm. I get to have an inspiring conversation. And then I get the text once this interview releases that say mm -hmm. I, that interview with Stephen was just what I needed to hear today yeah. from somebody. Yeah. And it just, you know, creates such a beautiful feeling for me that I say, ah, this is, now I'm connected, now I'm feeding a tiger to say it in, yeah. your, in your own words that, that it's important to me that I completely didn't know about mm -hmm. until I took a closer mm -hmm. look. Mm -hmm. And it's not like you, I quit my job or I change anything dramatic. Yes. So I, I, I love that part. And I know you, I heard you speak or write somewhere that the tigers can eat you. So That's you're talking right. about the, yeah. the tigers, feed your tigers. Feed your tigers before they eat you is what I say. Yeah. Yeah. What, what happens when they eat you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they literally do. So what happens is like, for example, in your case, this is what I see. I see a very big uh, educative tiger, entertaining, and also intrapersonal. That's this quality of deep thinking, looking for meaning, looking for things related to, uh, you know, emotions and life and whatnot. So this reflective part. So those are kind of big tigers for you. Now, if you don't feed those, you start to feel frustration. Because like right now, like when I watch you talk, like you're also seeing when I'm talking, when I'm watching you talking, all your energy is flowing and like you're alive and I can see your, your expressions and your, you know, your face is is full of life and your eyes are, are wide. So your, your energy is flowing. Your, your brain is releasing dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin, all these what are called happy chemicals. Dr. Loretta Bruning talks about your happy chemicals. So they're all releasing during this time while we're having this type of discussion. Now, if you don't get that, if you're doing some sort of telecommunications work and you're not feeding those, then you feel frustrated inside those chemicals are not releasing. And so it's eating away at you. In fact, mm -hmm. what's happening is you'll feel anxiety and stress. So cortisol gets released into your system at that time. And that's actually a toxin and, and it will eat away at your, at, your, at your body. And so what people do in order to fight that or to counterbalance that is they'll eat sugar, um, you know, they'll drink caffeine, a lot of coffee, soda drinks, you know, energy drinks, um, smoking, vaping, stimulants, drugs, alcohol, um, shopping, 
people will, you know, go surfing and then office politics, because that also gives you a high when you say, Hey, did you hear about Bob? No, what happened to him? And so suddenly you start to feel good about yourself because like, you know, you're, you, you feel better. It's releasing serotonin during that time. That's one of the feel good chemicals. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's, what's actually, that, that eats you. It eats your company. It's not, all of those things are non, not sustainable and they're toxic. So that's what I say. When you don't feed your tigers, they eat you. You have all these negative habits that come that wind up having a toxic effect on your system. Wow. You, you really explain all these things very simple. And, and, I, and I love that. And so I know time is never enough, but I do know I do want to make uh, ask you about the, the importance of how can we not change the world or, you know, we're dealing with all these big problems sustainability, climate change, all these things. And a lot of people get frustrated because they say, we, it seems we're not going anywhere. And if anything, we're going backwards. Mm-hmm. Is, is this important that each individual is aligned with our deeper why so that we can make a bigger ripple effect or, or are they interrelated at all? I'm, yeah. I'm curious uh, to hear uh, your A thousand percent. I don't, let me say this. Everybody doesn't need to focus on the big world problems. In fact, the way the East, the, the way in the East that it's explained is, you know, the the world that we see around us is a manifestation of what's going on inside of us collectively. So if each person sort of like took care of their side of the street, or if each person took care of what's going on inside of them and aligned their tigers, like they're That's the, the Japanese concept of ikigai, which is that even finding meaning in the small things that you do, in the small things that you do. So if I align myself with the work that I do and I get pleasure out of the work that I do. So when I go to work, people in my, in my area, and, I, and it's according to my tigers, so I'm going to be good at it naturally. People will want me around. They'll hire me more. They'll praise me. I'll get the, the promotions. They're going to pat me on the back. They're going to give me hugs. They're going to want to be with me. There's oxytocin. I feel good about that. And so all I get more status. So all of those things come naturally as a consequence of my being aligned with myself and doing work according to who I am. More money comes to me. That's the abundance thing. And then when I turn around to the rest of my life, my family, my community, I have abundance to give back to them. I don't need to go and do all these other weird things in order to try to make myself feel like, you know, normal or okay. I am normal and I'm, I'm radiating and I'm glowing because I'm connected to who I am and my work is connected to, to who I am. So if we all do that, we don't consume as much individually. You know, I don't have a need to buy more things and eat more things because my, my work is what's get, getting me high. My work is what's making me feel good. I want more work. And I don't mean to become a workaholic. Mm. I don't mean like that. But I, I mean that it's not that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do like quiet quitting. They talk about, you know, people just coasting and doing the least amount possible because they're not satisfied here. You know, it's not about that. It's about loving what you're doing. And that will make the world, if everybody started doing that, or even 20% of the population, we would have a much more sustainable planet. We wouldn't have to worry about fixing the big things. It would automatically fix it. Mm. Well, I can see why you uh, were meant to teach from very early on because you are a great teacher, you, and, teacher. and a great uh, sharer of wisdom. And so I always give the opportunity, Stephen, is there anything exciting, any projects? Of course, I'm going to mm-hmm. share the information about where people can discover sure. what the tigers are, your webpage, anything else that you want to share with the audience and listeners that's exciting these days? Yeah, sure. So um, if anybody wants to 
find out what their tigers are, you can go to feedyourtigers.com. So that's our site, feedyourtigers.com. And the multiple natures test is there, the MN test. So you can find out about that. And we also have about 200 practitioners worldwide who can work with you one-on-one if you want to figure out how to specifically apply the tiger's method and philosophy to your circumstance to get more aligned at any phase. One new thing that I am doing is um, we're just launching now, in fact, a program for students. So age 14 to 18 who are in high school, trying to figure out which career direction to go in. So it's six one hour sessions with me and uh, over three weeks, so twice a week for an hour. And uh, they find out what their tigers are. They align it with a career goal and career path. They figure out which course of study, which major, even which degree program they should head toward. And then they do a reality check of the feasibility test at the end, just to see, is it a real passion or is it a false passion? Does it fit with what my family is also talking about and, and whatnot? So, so it's really exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to doing this. So if anybody's interested in, you can find oh. it on the, on the website to just shoot me a mail. I'll be very happy to, it's called MN Careers. That's great. That's it. That's a human career. MN careers. So MN is the multiple natures. MN, MN careers. careers. Okay, got it. Well, that's a great uh, graduation oh, present be, for yeah. <laughs> any young person. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I think what better you can give somebody that a session or a, or a pro- mini program where you really can get in touch with those things. And and uh, I, I was going to ask you, what are you, you know, when is my 11 year old can take any test? I want, <laughs> want him to live his best life. It's, you feel such a responsibility mm. with when you see so many talents. And I'm so grateful that you're helping the youth yeah. discover those talents. So um, Steve, besides teaching, what else makes you tick? That's the last question on my show. What else makes me tick? Well, that brings me back to music. So I, okay, I, great. I, full I, circle. I, let's bring it back full circle. <laughs> I find time just about every day to do something musical. So I've got a little keyboard on my desk here. I have a ukulele, which I play with my daughter. I, I sing songs with her and I make music just, just for me, just to have some background music to listen to. So, so I still get to be kind of, I guess, like a, a rock star in my own mind, a legend in my own mind. Um, well, uh, that's, that's fantastic. That that's really full that. circle. Absolutely. Well, I can say without reserve that this, if when I was dreaming about this podcast, I would have dreamed the ideal guest. You have been mm-hmm. it. So I thank Thanks. you for thank that. Thank you, Leticia. That's really kind. Thank you. Everything you share, so much wisdom, so much powerful advice and a cause for the greater good. Definitely you represent everything this podcast is thank supposed you. to be. Thank you, everybody, thank you. for listening. Thank you, Stephen. Best of luck. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you, and until the next time.